and you are in the class Basics for True Education. The title is Harmonious Development of the Physical, the Mental, and the Spiritual. So just in case you want to make sure you're in the right place where you want to be, we plan to have an activity with the children at the end. We're going to go outside, plant some flowers in some pots to try to facilitate everything that we're learning here, put it into action. So notice a lot of the children are being so patient with sitting and listening and we want to get them outside, right, to help them to enjoy this process as well. So my name is Michelle Lesher. Um, I am a, a nurse and a dietitian. I'm really comfortable talking about nutrition. And I have to be honest, I'm really out of my comfort zone right now. I'm doing this because I feel like the Lord has asked me to do it. And I know that when we're in our, out of our comfort zones, we learn a lot and we grow a lot. Um, someone actually approached me last night and said, why are you giving a lecture? You don't have any children. And it's true. I'm sure other people are thinking that. You know, when, when you're, we're talking about educating and parenting, and I don't have any children of my own, I'm sure others are thinking that same question. So let me tell you, uh, my, my heart, I would love to have children. I have a mother who has really influenced me in my life as uh, an amazing person. And... I, the Lord has blessed me with a, a heart to want to serve mothers and children. My work is with moms and babies. That's what I do outside of the farm. Uh, with the farm, obviously it's connected as well. That's why we're here. Um, I learn so much being in the garden. And my desire is to help parents to be inspired to teach their children in this, this way of thinking. Because... Um, it's changed my life as an adult. So if you could imagine what it can do for children from the ground up, you know, I want to live in a community and be surrounded by healthy families, and I believe this is part of how to do it. So why am I here? I'm, I'm here because I guess the Lord has asked me to be here. So let's pray before I start. Dear Heavenly Father, you know my heart. You know how much I love moms and babies and families, um, how grateful I am for my own mother and the experiences I've had in my life. I just pray, Father, that you please be with me now. I really need your help, Lord. You know, um, this material is something that I'm studying. Uh, this message is uh, something that I'm learning. I'm in the process of learning myself. I pray that this presentation could be a blessing to every mother and every child and father that is here. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my first agriculture and education conference was in 2012. I came with my husband, and I was really inspired. I grew up a very conventional education. I was actually raised in Catholic schools, started in kindergarten, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, you know, that whole thing, and I've always struggled with school. I just, I was the student that just wasn't really good at any subject, you know, and um, when I learned the concept of waiting to put your children in school, I had never heard that before 2012. 
And I was like, wow, that is something that's totally different than anything I've ever heard. And it really inspired me. And so looking at uh, Brother Jorgensen, Bob Jorgensen, who passed away recently, uh, he presented pretty much this presentation. I had asked him, this would be him right now. He was supposed to do this. And I then asked his wife to come, and she wasn't able. And so I really felt led that I, there was something I wanted you all to hear today. Bob wasn't able, his wife wasn't able, so I'm doing my best to present to you what I've learned from them. That's all based on spirit of prophecy. It's all based on the Bible. And I literally just listened to his lecture and tried to put it on the pages for you all. Because this man studied for many, many years on these topics, and I'm very new to these topics. So um, I pray that this is a blessing for you all. So <clears throat> this is sort of a little outline of what we're going to do for the next hour or 45 minutes or so. So true education is a preparation. It's going to start in the womb and in infancy. Amen. It is uh, something that really rings and you know, just really inspires me is that this is a preparation for service. We hear that a lot. We look at Christ and his life and how it was a life of serving. This is what we will be teaching our children with agriculture as a main um, purpose is this concept of service. Development of the physical constitution is one of the first areas of importance. Learning how to help in carrying out life's duties, gaining wisdom with knowledge, using the Bible as an important textbook, and then the simple thing of just parents spending time with children and how that changes things. So preparation, uh, prenatal development, this is something I've sort of added in at the beginning because I work with moms and babies. Um, that wasn't something that Bob presented. So upon fathers as well as mothers rest a responsibility for the child's earlier as well as its later training. And for both parents, the demand for careful and thorough preparation is most urgent. Before taking upon themselves the possibility of fatherhood and motherhood, men and women should become acquainted with the laws of physical development. With physiologic physiology, hygiene, with the bearing of prenatal influences, with the laws of heredity, sanitation, dress, exercise, and the treatment of disease, they should also understand the laws of mental development and moral training. So this is a preparation that starts before conception, even, with the mom and dad, and then in the womb, and the prenatal influences, you know, I learn as a nurse and a dietitian, they talk about them all the time. Um, the mom's attitude while she's pregnant makes it has an effect on the baby. You know, if mom's really stressed, if there's stressful environment around her, things that she's taking into her body, all these things gonna, are going to affect the baby as well. They say that babies can remember mom's and dad's voices. You know, they do research and show, you know, even a newborn baby, a dad can walk in and say something and they may turn their head toward the father because they're, they're familiar with what they hear when they're in the womb. So could you imagine if you read the Bible to your baby while the baby was in the womb? And that might be something that became familiar to them even before they were born. And also this concept of heredity, um, I'm learning a lot about breast milk and 
there's actually genetic components in breast milk. Um, and they have this lots of research going on right now about epigenetics in breast milk. So there's so many things that start even before conception, while the baby's in the womb, when they're very, very newborn. I know we focus a lot kind of on more the toddler and then growing up, but I really want to emphasize the importance of that prenatal experience as well. So anyone want to know more about that afterwards? Ask this man. That sounds very interesting. What is your name, sir? Rainy Yates. Rainy Yates? Okay, thank you for sharing that. In Adventist Home, page 258, encourage cheerful, contented disposition. Every woman about to become a mother, whatever may be her surroundings, should encourage constant, constantly a happy, cheerful, contented disposition. Knowing, for, knowing that for all her efforts in this direction, she will be repaid tenfold in the physical as well as the moral character of her offspring. This, is, this really works. Uh, Larry and I, we want love in our home on the farm. And, you know, I don't know, some of you know our background, some don't, but when we met, we weren't even Christians. So we have a long, we have a lot of baggage, you know, that comes with that. But I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the song Love at Home. That's my favorite, new favorite hymn. When Larry and I sing that song, we try to sing it every evening, it brings love into our home. The spirit of happiness, it is an awesome song. I highly recommend it. We want love in our home. We know the whole saying, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It really is true. We're all seeking for medicine and answers and uh, healing and resolutions, and it's right here in front of us. We want to have cheerful hearts, happy hearts. And so um, that, that's something that I just feel is really important not only in raising our children, but even in the home before the, we have the concept of the children coming into the home. So we're preparing for that. Infancy and breastfeeding. Now this is something that um, Joshua White touched on a little bit yesterday. And I really believe that this attack on the mind that we have, as a dietitian and, and really into the health message, I've always thought of the nutrition end of it, and I never thought about the breast milk part of it. Never even thought about it until I started working with moms and babies. And now I realize, because of the research that I've learned, how much superior breast milk is over formula and how it affects the baby in so many different ways, that this is a, a lie of the devil in our country that's very, very um, strong, is that women in our culture don't believe they can breastfeed. They have this fear of pain. They think that they're not going to make enough milk. Um, they have to go back to work, it's going to be too hard, I'll just go with the formula because we're, it's marketed that the formula is equal. Breast milk formula, whichever, your baby's going to grow up and be happy and healthy and survive. Well, it's kind of a misconception. You know, the formula definitely has a purpose if there's no other way to feed a baby, but it's definitely not equal. Um, there's a lot of studies out there that show the differences um, but there needs to be more research. So, excuse me, the, the studies aren't on the differences. There's a lot of studies that show why breast milk is so good, but there's not a lot of studies out there comparing the two, is how I should say it. So, like I had mentioned, there's something called miRNA in breast milk, which I had no idea there was genetic things in breast milk, but miRNA has a lot to do with epigenetics. 
So things that um, kind of turn the genes on and off, express different characters later in life, turned on and off from this miRNA that is in breast milk. And there's a lot of kind of untold history about formula and the negative effects it has on the mind and the body. Now this blew me away. Babies who are formula fed have a 10 point, um, excuse me, babies who are formula fed have a 10 point loss of IQ points. And when they were presenting this in the presentation I was listening to for work, they said that's equivalent to having low level lead exposure, which I think is pretty significant. You know, we're all in this to make children that will be smart and, and successful and we all want what's best for our children, but most people do not understand that there's actually things that um, affect our children in a negative way from the formula feeding. So we need to help educate moms and our communities of how amazing breast milk is and how it is gonna help with this whole concept of true education and helping our children to have clear minds so that they can know our our Heavenly Father. The differences, and these are some differences found um, when you're comparing breast milk and formula. This is a book called Milk Matters. Uh, I really recommend the book. It has everything to do with pretty much breast milk and uh, the difference between breast milk and cow milk and the effects. So there's differences in DNA, body tissue, adipose tissue, muscle mass, hormones, mRNA, MRI show brain white matter differences, cognitive behavioral differences. You know, the other amazing thing is when you're breastfeeding, the hormones that are released for the baby, they make the baby feel good. They're also released for the mother. And God has this beautiful thing that happens you know, moms go through a, a lot of things when they deliver a baby. And when they go and start breastfeeding right away, it helps them to heal faster. It helps them to kind of re relieve the stress level that they're experiencing. And it's just this beautiful design that is so important in this whole process of true education that we're learning that I don't want to leave out. So there are studies of babies that are fully breastfed from birth versus... Um, I'm sorry, this lady is saying there's not enough studies of comparing fully breastfed babies from birth versus fully formula fed babies. So she states that infant formula can alter normal infant development, weakening family bonds, it harms women's and children's physical and mental health, increases social inequity and poverty, it fosters and causes disease, causing needless deaths, costing taxpayer money, consuming scarce resources, creating needless waste products, and causing environmental harms. And honestly, I've been a dietitian since 2009, and I really have never even thought about it. So obviously, there's a lot of people not thinking about this in the world, and I just think it's an important component in all this. So now I'm going to switch gears um, into, you know, these years of, you know, your child is starting to get more curious, and you're wanting to start you know, do I start opening books with my child? Do I start having them write their names? You know, what am I doing? How do I do these things? So there is a myth out there that spending more time in school or institutionalized education is equal to being more educated. I was totally on that side of the fence. I have a master's degree and 
for whatever reason you think that that is the right thing to do. It's the way you're supposed to go. So education is something you receive in a, this is another myth, that education is something that you receive in a classroom filled with children sitting at desk with one teacher standing in front of the room at a blackboard. That's what I always thought school was, so I'm sure there are others that have thought that as well here. And there are many aspects of education that consist of things that do not happen inside a schoolroom. I, uh, when I first moved to Indiana, Larry and I first bought the farm. We were going into the winter and we didn't have jobs, and so we decided to substitute school teach at the local school. And I was subbing in a kindergarten class, and the first thing, uh, the teacher told me who the bad kid was. So we, we know there's, like Joshua White talked about yesterday, labeling. So this poor young child is labeled the bad kid, so guess what? He acts bad, right? He's the bad kid, he's gonna act bad. So then she proceeds to tell me if he acts bad, you take his recess away. I'm like, wow, that, that's terrible. I mean, I don't wanna take his recess away. So throughout the day, this young child, he really wasn't a bad kid. He had a lot of energy. He did not know what to do with all of his energy. And I didn't realize this, but today in that young of a class, they require them to sit, just like I sat in grade school and high school. Lots of sitting and looking at a blackboard, even that young. Not a lot of creativity happening in the classrooms anymore. And he literally at one point was upside down in his desk. He just wanted to get out so bad. And I just really started to see, you know, this labeling of these learning disabilities or bad kids or whatever. It's because we're forcing upon them something that's not natural. They're supposed to be outside running around and learning from the things of nature, getting the fresh air. He would, he, I'm sure this young man is not a bad kid. He just did not know what to do with all this energy. It's almost like he's being tied down, right? And so um, we need to help people to understand why. So this is in Child Guidance, page 103, Lessons of Primary Importance. In the early education of children, many parents and teachers fail to understand that the greatest attention needs to be given to the physical constitution, that a healthy condition of body and brain can be secured. And then uh, it also says, the future happiness of your families and the welfare of society depend largely upon the physical and moral education which your children receive in the first years of life. This to me is a very simple concept that I like. It's not complicated. You know, it's, it's get them out and get them moving. Digging in the dirt, playing outside, climbing up and down trees, running around, jumping around, skipping around. It's very simple. We, we make things so much more complicated than they need to be. These things are helping to develop things in the children that will later help them to read and write better, to learn better. Child Guidance, page 36. Teach helpfulness at an early age. Very early, the lessons of helpfulness should be taught the child. As soon as strength and reasoning power are sufficiently developed, he should be given duties to perform in the home. He should be encouraged in trying to help father and mother, encouraged to deny and control himself, to put others' happiness and convenience before his own, to watch for opportunities to cheer and assist brother and sister and playmates, 
and to show kindness to the aged, the sick, and the unfortunate. The more fully the spirit of true ministry pervades at the home, the more fully it will be developed in the lives of the children. They will learn to find joy in service and sacrifice for the good of others. Now, there's, there's some information in Spirit of Prophecy where it talks about Ellen White would take children into her home sometimes, and she would have them do different chores and things. And, you know, we live in such a busy, fast-paced world, right? We want to just get the dishes done, and we want them to be done and be, go on with it. But I think the concept here is even though the children might not be able to do it perfectly, you're helping to set them up for future success. And we have to learn how to be patient as mothers and fathers to slow down and to really let them do the things that they're inquiring about and wanting to do. Because that's going to help build and foster a child that wants to serve and wants to help in the home. If we kind of squash that because we're too busy and we'd rather them go kind of play and be out of the way, which, I mean, I know with my personality and where I am, I would probably be tempted to do that sometimes in the home because you have these systems and you have these things in place. But we have to really try to fight against that because if a child is coming in curiosity to want to help, then we have to help to uh, help that to grow into a desire and a heart to be a part of the family and wanting to help with things at home. And if your child doesn't get that from you, then they will get it from something else, right? If, they, if you're doing the dishes and they come to you, and a lot of times children don't know how to initiate a conversation, so they ask a lot of questions, right? We notice that, lots of questions. And so we have to help them to you know, initiate the conversation. They come to you and say, hey, mom, what are you doing? And you say, well, we just had breakfast, and so I'm cleaning the dishes. And they were like, oh, well, can I help? Sure. And so you, you know, help facilitate that. Instead of the alternative, which is, I'm almost done. Let me just get this done really quick, and then we'll play. Right? I mean, you can see where that wouldn't necessarily be bad, but if your child is trying to get in there and be a part of the home and the service of the home, Try to be in tune to that and involve them in those things so that that's something you're growing and developing in them. And I hope that if I have the opportunity to be a mother someday that I would be able to do that in my home because I know that's probably not easy all the time to do that. Child Guidance, page 36. Parents, help your children to do the will of God by being faithful in the performance of the duties which really belong to them as members of the family. This will give them a most valuable experience. It will teach them that they are not to center their thoughts upon themselves, to do their own pleasure, or to amuse themselves. Patiently educate them to act their part in the family circle. I think a lot of what we see in our culture in the U.S. is that children, um, we kind of cultivate this idea that parents serve the children. The children's not really serving the family and the parents. Uh, we don't really realize it when we're doing this, but it's almost as if the parents are the ones being trained and the child is the one that punishes the parents when they don't get what they want um, by screaming or yelling or you know, throwing tantrums, especially in like public places. You're like, oh, okay, never mind, just take it, right? Because you don't want to be embarrassed, right? So. And it's not an easy thing. I mean, I realize that it's not 
an easy thing. But if we start very early at being in tune with them wanting to help and be involved, I think it really will help to prevent that progression of selfishness and I want it my way and I want it now. Okay. Gaining wisdom with knowledge. So many of you know Bob Jorgensen would share this a lot and I really like it. The W2K. So we all know Y2K, right? Stands for year 2000. H2O is two hydrogen, one oxygen. So W2K is two parts wisdom with one part knowledge. So we do not get wisdom by gaining knowledge. By gaining wisdom, it will become natural to acquire knowledge properly. So you will learn more wisdom from using your hands than you will learn from reading your textbooks. So that is something that is really foreign, I know, to a lot of us. And we have to believe that God's methods are the right methods, not what we're used to for centuries, this concept of having to go to school early so that our kids will be smart and successful. There's so much pressure on parents that that is the way we're supposed to do things. And as we continue on here, we're going to see more spirit of prophecy and even the Bible that that's not the design for this wisdom that we're searching for for our families. So wisdom, excuse me, knowledge without wisdom becomes destructive. The Bible actually teaches us um, these concepts. And in 2 Chronicles 1.10, it talks about Solomon praying to God. He asked, um, actually, sorry, this next slide. Um, all these scripture verses talk about this concept of wisdom and knowledge. And I encourage you to sit down and really look through these scripture verses. Because God wants us to know what to do. It's not supposed to be a mystery or um, it's, it's not... God doesn't want this to be difficult for us. He wants to show us the right way. And so I encourage you to do a study on these scripture verses, applying this concept of wisdom versus knowledge. And because I want to have time for the activity, I'm just going to move through. Sons and daughters of God. What? Yeah. No, no, you're fine. Yep, you're good. Got him? Sons and daughters of God, what we need is knowledge that will strengthen mind and soul, that will make us better men and women. Heart education is of far more importance than mere book learning. It is well, even essential, to have a knowledge of the world in which we live. But if we leave eternity out of our reckoning, we shall make a failure from which we can never recover. If the youth understand their own weakness, they would find in God their strength. Now, I have a small testimony. I meant to ask Larry's permission to do this, and I forgot. I don't think that he will be upset about it. My husband is a very good example of how kind of the conventional school system really fails a lot of children. So Larry was um, told he had a learning disability at a young age, partial dyslexia, I believe is what it was, and that he really couldn't learn. They just didn't know what to do with Larry. Larry was kind of hyper kid. He is very smart, but didn't know how to, like, get it down on paper kind of thing, you know. So he was, 
you know, they just didn't know what to do with Larry in school. <clears throat> so oftentimes he was told that he was stupid. And he was raised very poor. He was bused to nine different schools from first grade to 12th grade, nine different schools. And he graduated with all Ds, which I didn't even know you could do. But apparently, back then, <laughs> you could graduate with all Ds. And so it wasn't until he got out of school that he learned how to read. Because no one ever taught him how to read. It was basically just kind of get him through the system and get him out of here, because they didn't really know what to do with him. And being bused so many places, you kind of fall through the cracks, you know. So he shared with me it wasn't until he left home and he got interested in politics and things of this nature, that he really started to learn how to read. And I'm not just saying this because it's my husband, but he is very smart. <laughs> he built a building on our farm. He never built a building before. He measured it out. He bought the materials, and they fit together, and he made a building. And I'm like, wow, this is really impressive. I would come home, and part of the roof would be on. He's doing this all by himself. And... You know, we had people come out to help a few times, but for the most part, Larry built this building. And, you know, he's just the kind of person that something breaks, he doesn't call someone to fix it. He figures out how to fix it. Now, see, I'm just totally opposite. I was never raised that way. I was raised just to listen to what people told me to do, and then I would do it. I'm happy to do it, but you have to tell me what to do. And give me directions, I get very frustrated. You know, if I was told to build a chair, and here's the diagram, and here's all the materials, I just would give up. I know I would, because that's just not how I was raised in my life. And Larry would love that project. Oh, yes, let's build the chair, you know? So you can see where, because he wasn't, um, because he kind of fell through the cracks, and he really didn't learn how to learn until he was older, it was actually to his benefit, right? Which is kind of crazy to think about, but it's true. And, and with me, I have a really hard time with logic and reasoning. I just read and memorize because that's just how my brain has been designed, you know, has been cultivated to work through all the schooling. So heart education, it's important, extremely important. It's hard to relearn these things that we learn and even though, parents, that you feel like you're going so against what everybody says and so against mainstream to do these things, I just have a heart conviction that, obviously, Spirit of Prophecy doesn't speak about it once or twice or three times. It is in there a lot for a reason. Because she knew, God knows, that this is going to be a hard time for his people and a hard concept for his people to follow. And I just think it's a very important thing. In Sons of Daughters of God, it continues to say, there is a science of Christianity to be mastered. A science is much deeper, broader, higher than any human science, as the heavens are higher than the earth. The mind is to be disciplined, educated, trained. For we are to do service for God in ways that are not in harmony with inborn inclination. Heredity and cultivated tendencies to evil must be overcome. Often the education and training of a lifetime must be discarded that one may become a learner in the school of Christ. This is where I think nature is so amazing. There are so many things that we can teach our children in nature. God has put nature there for us. Um, I've heard someone say once, you know, nature is the first book 
and then the Bible had to come because we didn't use nature the way that we were supposed to, right? Because in the beginning, they didn't have the Bible in the beginning, you know, they used nature. They used concept of God that they saw in nature. And because we missed that, the Lord had to get it all written down for us to give us another avenue, which I'm very thankful for. But just think about the lessons we can teach our children in nature. All these things we call science, fundamental actions and activities we can see taking place around us that are things of God, that are there to illustrate spiritual things, spiritual lessons. So we're going to do that a little bit with the children today, and it's going to be really fun. Sons and daughters of God, our hearts must be educated to become steadfast in God. We are to form habits of thought that will enable us to resist temptation. We must learn to look upward, the principles of the word of God, principles that are, a high, that are as high as heaven and that compass eternity. We are to understand in their bearing upon our daily life, every act, every word, every thought is to be in accord with these principles. All must be brought into harmony with and subject to Christ. So I'm sure many of you parents that haven't really embraced this concept are probably thinking, how can I use the Bible as a textbook? Because I've thought that myself. So the Bible and nature, God's second book, I already said this, or was nature God's first book? And then he gave us another book, the Bible, because we were not able to read nature clearly. So here's some quotes that talk about the Bible being a lesson book. This is in Christian Education, page 108. The Bible is a book which discloses the principles of right and truth. It contains whatever is needful for the saving of soul. And at the same time, it is adapted to strengthen and discipline the mind. If used as a textbook in our schools, it will be found far more effective than any other book in the world in guiding wisely in the affairs of this life, as well as in aiding the soul up the ladder of progress, which reaches to heaven. Wow, that's pretty serious words, huh? And we're talking about this in the concept of our children. So think about that. God cares for us as intellectual beings, and he has given us his word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalms 119, 130. It is not the mere reading of the word that will accomplish the result that is designed by heaven, but the truth revealed in the word of God must find an entrance into the heart if the good intended is obtained. The Holy Scriptures were the essential study in the schools of the prophets, and they should hold the first place in every educational system. For the foundation of all right education is a knowledge of God. Used as a textbook in our schools, the Bible will do far, do for our minds and morals that what cannot be done by books of science or philosophy. As a book to discipline and strengthen the intellect and ennoble, purify, and refine the character, it is without arrival. And you know, I went to Catholic school for nine years, and we had a religion study class, and there I was taught that the things of the Bible weren't true, that they were all just stories to teach us lessons. We've, not only in public schools, have lost this concept 
of any god at all there, even in Catholic or other Protestant schools, it's there, but it's kind of like a separate class. You know, it's your religion class. It's not your main focus. It's not your book to learn about family concepts, concepts of nature, concepts of moral. Um, really, it could be incorporated into every subject. It shouldn't be like this isolated class of itself. Because if we want to live and be like Christ, it should be within everything we think, everything we say, everything we do. And if we isolate it out to that one class, then that's what it becomes in our children's mind. It's this separate thing. It's not integrated into everything we are. It's that religion class, right? So this is something that is exciting, isn't it, to think about? Because it's possible to do. It's just we just have to do it. I mean, I, don't, I just think it's a concept I've never really even thought about. So we start thinking about these things. We pray for the Lord's guidance, and he's going to help us to understand how to do these things. Early development. It is essential for parents to find useful employment for their children. I'm going to actually skip this one because we did talk about that a little bit already, and I don't want to run into too much time with the activity. And this is talking more about the physical powers. I'm going to read a couple quotes with the first 8 to 10 years of life concept because, again, 2012 was the first time I'd ever heard this concept. And I don't think there's an arbitrary reason they give these age numbers. There's a reason for that. And Joshua White gives us all this research to back this up yesterday that just goes along with what Ellen White has been saying for a long time. And so let us trust spirit of prophecy. Let us trust that this will allow your children to excel in school once they hit the 8 to 10 year of age. It's so hard, right? Because we're so accustomed to starting early because we want them to have the success. I believe that if we wait, they are going to be far superior in these things, not for their own glory or for any glory of the parents, but for God's glory. Because you will have instilled in them the moral, the physical, the spiritual, so that when they reach that age and excel, they can use that to the glory of God and not themselves. Children should not be long confined within doors, nor should they be required to apply themselves closely to study until a good foundation has been laid for physical development. For the first eight to ten years of a child's life, the field or garden is the best classroom, schoolroom. The mother the best teacher, nature the best lesson book, even when the child's old enough to attend school, his health should be regarded as a greater importance than a knowledge of books. He should be surrounded with the conditions most favorable to both physical and mental growth. The child's program during infancy, during the first six or seven years of a child's life, special attention should be given to its physical training rather than the intellect. After this period, if the physical condition is good, the education of both should receive attention. Infancy extends to the age of six or seven years. Up to this period, children should be left, like little lambs, to roam around the house and the yards in the buoyancy of the spirits, keeping, skipping and jumping free from care and trouble. Wouldn't that just be a beautiful thing to see? Um, I'll continue on here. Yeah, yeah. 
And in my work, infancy is age birth to one. And then they're a toddler after that, two to five. So, you know, the devil is really good at destructing, destroying the family. But God is more powerful. We know this. And there are ways that we can help families um, to learn this con- these concepts. But it's no mistake, it's no coincidence that he's going to start very, very early. Because he knows what that is going to do. So another one on the early development, parents, especially mothers, should be the only teachers, which I've already, she's already, so this is being emphasized again. Um, The only teachers of such infants' minds. They should not educate from books. The children generally will be inquisitive to learn the things of nature. They will ask questions in regard to things that they see and hear, and parents should improve the opportunity to instruct and patiently answer those little inquiries. They can, in this manner, get the advantage of the enemy and fortify the minds of their children by sowing good seeds in their hearts, learning no room for the bad to take root. The mother's loving instruction at a tender age is what is needed by children in the formation of character. And I would like to encourage moms here as well, because I know, um, you know, there's a lot of guilt that can come from being a mother as well when you feel like maybe you haven't done everything just perfectly. But I do believe that God fills in for our deficiencies because that's what he says that he does. And when we have a heart to do the right thing and we're praying to God to help us, um, he will be there to fill in. Now, um, not to give Felicia Meyer any like high whatever, whatever, but I have to share with you that when I very first met her, which was quite a while ago, Lilia was just a baby. The thing that impressed me so much about her was just how attentive she was to her children. Now, I kind of used to this culture of mommy, 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 and the mom has kind of tuned the child out. So like usually around like the fourth or fifth time, they're like, yes, dear. Not that that's maybe intentional or whatever. It's just the society that we live in. It's not mom's first importance isn't necessarily the attention to the children. Maybe it's supporting the children so that they have a roof over their head or food to eat. You know, they're wanting to do the right thing and their hearts aren't in a bad place. They're not trying to be mean or bad parents. But you don't often see when a child comes to a mother and asks one time that the mom will stop and say, either answer the child or say, you know, just one moment, okay, mommy's talking with someone and then we can, I can answer your question. It really inspired me that, you know, it's such an important work. Being a mother is the most important job on the planet. We've heard that in Spirit of Prophecy, but it's true. It is the most important job on the planet. And having to learn patience and having to learn the importance of that and really sacrificing yourself to be able to do that is is a a blessing and so I just want to encourage moms that one thing really stood out to me when I met Felicia like wow she is really attentive to her children and I'm you're not going to do everything right I mean this is the world that we live in there's a lot of bad influences all around us But pray for the Lord to help you. Study these things out for yourself. Do a study on this topic for yourself. And 
the Lord is going to lead you in this concept of being your child's only teacher <laughs> until they're this older age. Parents should be, this is an early development again in um, Christian CT. Parents should be the only teachers of their children until they have reached eight or ten years old. At As fast as their minds can comprehend it, the parents should open before them God's great book of nature. The mother should have less love for the artificial in her house and in the preparation of her dress for display and should take time to cultivate in herself and in her children a love for the beautiful buds and the opening flowers. By calling the attention of her children to the different colors, the variety of forms, she can make them acquainted with God, who made all the beautiful things which attract and delight them. She can lead their minds up to their creator and awaken in their young hearts a love for their heavenly father, who has manifested so great love for them. Parents can associate God with all his created works. So I'm going to skip through here because we're almost out of time and just add a few things about homeschooling. This is kind of a neat concept I was talking with Larry about. He said, well, where did Jesus learn? Well, the Bible and Spirit of Prophecy tells us that he learned at the knee of his mother. The child, the child Jesus did not receive instruction in the synagogue schools. His mother was his first human teacher. From her lips and from the scrolls of the prophets, he learned of heavenly things. The very words which he himself had spoken to Moses for Israel, he was now taught at his mother's knee. As he advanced from childhood to youth, he did not seek the schools of the rabbis. He needed not the education to, obtained, to be obtained from such sources, for God was his instructor. Jesus and John the Baptist all wondered at his knowledge of the law and the prophecies, and the question passed from one to another. How knoweth this man's letters, having never learned? No one was re regarded as qualified to be religious teachers unless he had studied in the rabbinical schools. And both Jesus and John the Baptist had been represented as ignorant because they had not received this training. Those who heard them were astonished at the knowledge of the scriptures, having never learned of men. They had no... They had not truly, but the God of heaven was their teacher, and from him they had received the highest wisdom of knowledge. And this is what moms can be through Christ, using the Bible and nature to teach their children. John the Baptist was not fitted for his high calling as a forerunner of Christ by association with the great men of the nation in the schools of Jerusalem. He went out into the wilderness where the customs and doctrines of men could not mold his mind and where he could hold unobstructed communion with God. Fundamentals of Christian Education 123. Interesting, it says that he actually went into the wilderness where the customs and doctrines of men could not mold his mind. So we actually have to guard against these things. You know, we're just, I don't even know that we understand that fully how much we have to guard against these things. He's running off into the wilderness to learn so that he's not, you know, it's not going to influence him in a negative way. So we're not to aim for this lower standard. We're to aim for this higher standard. Christ and John the Baptist, there are examples. God put this in the Bible for us to have as examples so that we're not lost trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. 
God gives us that in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy to help us. Jesus secured his education in the home. His mother was his first human teacher. From her lips and from the scrolls of the prophets, he learned of heavenly things. He lived in the pleasant home and faithfully and cheerfully acted his part in bearing the household burdens. Can you like just picture Jesus in the home doing this? Isn't that a cool thought? He who had been the commander of heaven was a willing servant, a loving, obedient son. He learned a trade and with his own hands worked in the carpenter's shop with Joseph. In the garb of a common laborer, he walked the streets of the little town, going to and returning from his humble work. So in closing, we're going to take a little bit of time with the children outside. Um, a few things that I learned yesterday that I had never known. You know, you think you know so much, <laughs> and then you learn something new, and then you think, wow, I don't know that much. This concept of your, your eye development outside, I never knew that before. I knew sunlight was important for vitamin D, and it helps fight depression, but I never knew that it helps with preventing nearsightedness. Never understood that concept. So we're going to take some time with our children now, help develop... Um, these things that we've learned, and I just want to end with one thing I learned from Bob Jorgensen is a comment that he made at one of these conferences, that you can teach a five-year-old to count to five, and it might take about five days. Or you can wait until your child is nine or ten and teach them in about ten seconds. And books, books and schooling, things like this can wait. I know it's a hard concept. But it makes sense, doesn't it? If we can help their minds to develop the way that God has designed them to in the beginning. Once they hit the age, Joshua showed the research, when it's ready, they are going to excel and it's going to be less stressful for them. It's going to be fun for them. It's not going to be this constant battle between mom and student to get the kids to sit down and do the schoolwork. They're going to excel and enjoy it because their minds are going to be at a place where they're ready to learn it. So um, let's go outside with the children. I'll ask for a couple of volunteers. We're going to bring these flats of flowers out here. We've already got dirt out there in the pots. And we're going to use some of our physical um, abilities to dig in the dirt a little bit, plant the, pot, the plants a little bit, and talk with our children about uh, some concepts that we're learning through nature. Sound good? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.